So great to have you guys here. I want to say hello to all of our campuses real quick. Thanks for being a part of our services. Thanks for coming for part two of Rated R. By the way, thanks for bringing your friends and your family last week for Rated R. We set an attendance record at Church Unlimited. 15,698 people came to church. Wow. So because of that, I'm talking about sex every week from now on. No, I'm just kidding. We're so glad you guys are here. Thanks for joining us. We appreciate you being a part of our services. We're continuing our Rated R series. It's been a lot of fun last week. We're so glad we got to talk about some things. I mean, people have asked me, so is there going to be more Rated R this week? I'm like, I don't know how to make it more Rated R. I don't even know what to do. I mean, I guess I could show charts and graphs. That's the only thing I could do worse, right? And so anyways, today talking about solving disagreements without arguing, because here's the truth. Opposites attract. Have you learned this yet? Opposites attract, but also when you get married a few years in, opposites attack. So we have to learn to get back to opposites attract instead of opposites attack. And I want to talk about that today because we all have disagreements with our spouses. We all have disagreements with those that we love. And so wouldn't it be great if there was a way to not fight? If there was a way to work through those issues without having this impending battle going on between you and the one that you love. And so I believe there is a better way. Did you know that 69% of couples fight about the same issue? In other words, most of the time the, the fight is just an ongoing battle about the same issue you just don't agree on. It's typically we're not disagreeing over 15 different issues. It's just one or two things that just keep coming up again and again. So maybe we should then set aside some time to figure this out so we can quit fighting over the same thing. Now, I want to tell you the number one thing, this is important. The number one issue they have found in divorces is the word contempt. They have found that the number one thing that almost guarantees a divorce is, is when one or both spouses have contempt for the other. Let me tell you what contempt means. Let me just give you a quick definition. Contempt means that you see yourself or your opinion or your, or your viewpoint or, or view of the world as above someone else. If you, see your, if you feel like, well, I know I'm right and they're just wrong on this, that's actually called contempt. When you feel like I, just, I know better than they do. I just, my opinion is right. I know they're wrong on this. And I just, I, I, you know, if you discount their viewpoint on something just because it's different than yours, that's actually called contempt. And when people have contempt for one another, it just makes you sick eventually. You ever felt like you were watching a TV program and you felt like the people were talking down to you? I bet you didn't watch that very long, right? Maybe you've had a boss or a coworker or a neighbor that just, you felt like they thought they were a little better than you. It just it turns you off. And so if, if you actually begin to have a feeling of, I just feel like I just know better than my spouse does about this, this, or that, that contempt will ultimately lead to a divorce if it's left unchecked. I mean, it's that big of a deal. So this is a big thing. In other words, if you feel like, well, the reason we don't get along is because I know I'm right, that does not lead to the right place. So we better learn how to fight fair, and we need to learn how to view each other the right way when we have a disagreement. So I want to unpack that today. So pull out your notes, and we'll give you some things to write down. The first verse for today is Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. I'm just going to use the first uh, five words. For we are God's masterpiece. So I want to stop there. Now, it, the, the verse is great, the whole thing, but I just want to stop there. For we are God's masterpiece. I've been in front of a few masterpieces in my life. I went to uh, the Museum of Modern Art in New York. Now, I'd love to say it's come so cultured because my wife drags me there, but I have gone. And so I feel like I've gone to every great museum uh, in any city I've ever gone to because my wife is really into that stuff. So she'll take us, you know, so she, she wants to give me culture. I, I think she's trying to say, Bill, you're a caveman. You need help. So anyways, so I go to these places with her and the kids and we go see art, that kind of stuff. So I've done that. Well, one year we, we did kind of like that once in a lifetime kind of trip and went to Europe and we were in France. And so we went to the Louvre. 
which is really cool. The Louvre is like some of the best art in the world. And so they, they were like, there's this floor and that floor. This, there's different like ages and you know, stages of, of art, and they show you different things. But there's one particular place that everyone goes to in the Louvre. It's where the Mona Lisa is. So I thought, well, I got to go see that. I mean, I'm, I'm here. You got to go see the Mona Lisa, Lisa if you're in the same building with it. So I, I, I knew I was near it because there's a crowd around this one spot. And you're like, wow, there's like people scared everywhere. But then you get to one spot and there's like 200 people. And you're like, wow, what's there? And, and there's cameras everywhere. And they're all taking pictures and videoing the Mona Lisa. So I had to like weasel my way in there. Like, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, trying to get up near it. And so I get about 10 feet from it. And there it is in front of me. And I was like, oh, there it is. And it looks as plain as it did when I saw it on TV. Like, I don't get it. I'm, I look at it and I'm like, I just, I don't get it. First of all, I'm like, they're like, oh yeah, this artist thought she was beautiful. And I'm like, man, that guy was seriously blinded. I mean, good luck to him. I, that's, I do not get it. Anyways, whatever. But, but, but they will tell you, like art critics will tell you like, but it's an original, like no one can compare to that. Like, in other words, like it may not be your taste, but it's unique. There's no other painting like it. Now, I happen to like another painting that was there. Now, I'm going to show my bias. I'm, I'm a pastor and a Christian and all that. And so I like the painting that was called David. It was, it was, it's a very famous picture in the, in the Louvre of, of young King David. He's not even king yet. Young David holding the head of Goliath. It's really cool. It sounds graphic. I know, but it's really cool. And so it's just like this gladiator shot, you know, and it was, it was you know, hundreds of years ago that someone uh, drew this painting. And so I, that was my favorite. And it's also considered a masterpiece as well. And so there's, there's lots of different masterpieces, but God's word says that you're a masterpiece, that I'm a masterpiece. We are, there's nothing like you. You are totally unique. You are a masterpiece. Turn to the person next to you and arrogantly say, I'm a masterpiece. <laughs> Just let them know right now. It's true. You are a masterpiece. Now here's the thing, it's really true and we all agree and believe that, like, oh, that's wonderful that I'm a masterpiece. But that also means that your spouse is a masterpiece. There's no one else like them. And we think about that, not only the way they look, there's no one else like them, but then also no one else thinks quite like them. No one else has their exact viewpoint, their exact background, their exact take on things, their exact opinions. And so they are unique. And so what we end up doing when we disagree is we're trying to essentially beat out the uniqueness of them and that's not possible. It's who they are. They're supposed to have a different opinion than you. They're supposed to see things differently than you. If you, see things, if you see everything exactly the same, one of you is not necessary. There's supposed to be uniqueness to you. So you're going to have a unique perspective. But what we oftentimes say is, well, I just don't, I can't get along with them. They just don't see it my way. I don't know why. Well, that's because they're not you. That's why they don't see it your way. Having conflicts does not mean you married the wrong person. Some people say, man, I, just, I mean, we're always fighting and disagreeing about things. We're never on the same page. I think I may have just married the wrong person. No, that actually means you haven't learned how to do conflict resolution yet. But you could get out of married, being married to the supposed wrong person, marry someone else, still bring you with you who hasn't learned to deal with conflict. And guess what? You'll find yourself once again married to the wrong person. And you'll go from wrong person to wrong person. In other words, that has nothing to do with that. It has to do with the fact that you haven't learned how to get along with someone that's unique compared to you. They're different than you. You're different than them. And so that's part of it. We are all a little bit different. Psalms 139 says this. Oh, yes, you shaped me first inside, then out. You formed me in my mother's womb. God made you totally unique. There is no one else like you. And so when you first fell in love, you're like, they're just so unique. And then now you're like, they're so unique. <laughs> Same thing. They're different. That's what attracted you to them. That's also the very same thing that can sometimes drive you crazy 
but that's because they're not you. And so they're not supposed to think exactly like you. It's okay. So what do you do when you're having this difficulty, this disagreement, and you're just not on the same page as the way you want to raise the kids, the house you want to buy versus rent, or this neighborhood versus that neighborhood, the car you want to buy, you know, you're like, you know, I just want to lease a car and be done with it after a year. And the other person's like, I want to drive a car for 10 years. And so you're just on different pages. You know, I, I, I like to be super trendy. And I, I like to go, you know, uh, something that's less trendy and, and that's more, you know, going to be in style 10 years from now. You know, you're just different. You know, I, I like to be alone. I like uh, alone time, private time. I like to be with people all the time. And so you just see the world differently. That's very normal. You're, you're going to see the world differently than they do. And you remember, ladies, when you're like, he'll just talk to anybody. Now you're like, he'll just talk to anybody. It's the same thing that attracted to you them also drives you crazy about them later in life. And so you have to make a decision to still see them with those eyes of attraction. Say, no, I remember being attracted to that. There's great qualities about that too, right? And so it's important to know that we are different. And just because you're not getting along about some particular issue doesn't mean you're married to the wrong person. Get that out of your head. That is a lie from the devil. You are married to who God brought to your life. And that's who you're supposed to be married to. That's a covenant relationship. Remember last week, talked about that. Sealed and blood's done. This is it. So let's make it work. And so if that's the case, we have to learn to work through disagreements. Now, if you're having a fight, a disagreement with your spouse, right? If you're just not getting along in a particular area, the very first thing we typically say is, you know what, honey, we just need to talk. But I would actually argue the exact opposite. I think that's what got you into this problem. Talk. Let's just be honest, right? You're like, yeah, we tried that. That doesn't work, you know? So I'm not gonna be the, the, the guy up here that says, you know, you guys need to sit down and just have a talk. No. That's what got you all frustrated to begin with is talking. Now, I'm not trying to say don't talk. I'm not suggesting that you just go in each other's corners and leave each other alone and never talk again. And that's it. No, I'm not suggesting that, but I'm suggesting something the Bible says pretty clearly. Look at James 1.19. Dear brothers, don't ever forget that it is best to listen much, speak little, and not become angry. For anger doesn't make us good. This may surprise you, but I recommend that you don't have another talk. You need to have another listen. There are, I mean, how many ears do you have? Now, how many mouths do you have? Use those in proportion. If you will listen twice as much as you talk, it will really help your relationship. It really will. And so, if you, please write this down, would you, number two. When we have conflicts, we, all, we, we feel the need to talk. Instead, we need to request a listening time. So I was doing some research on this, and there's a guy I really like his stuff on relationships named Dr. Gary Chapman. You may have heard of him. He wrote a book called The Five Love Languages. It's still on the New York Times bestseller list. It's incredible. I highly recommend it. Not talking about that today. It's great stuff, but he's just really brilliant. The guy's been married for decades. I think he's like, I think he's 75 or 80 years old now, and he's still traveling and speaking. The guy's amazing and just really good. Anyways, married the same girl his whole life. Um, he wrote a book called uh, Things I Wish I Would Known Before I Got Married. In that book, he talks about conflict resolution. What he found in his research was what the Bible said all along. He found that couples that have been married for decades happily have all stumbled a, a, across the same skill. And, and many of them weren't taught it. They just stumbled across it. I, I, I thought about when I was reading this chapter, I found my, my own marriage in this chapter going, we do that. I never put it in these words before, but we do that. It made me feel kind of good. Like, hey, we got something right here, babe. Something's working. And that we stumbled upon this listening concept that we have the ability to actually stop and say, okay, why are you, I don't know, why are you thinking this or why'd you do that? I wanna hear, I wanna understand. We really don't just yell at each other. We stop and listen. Doesn't mean we don't have conflict and haven't said things we don't mean. And we've done all that too, of course. But what they've learned is that couples that go the distance have learned the ability to really listen to one another. Doesn't mean you always get it right. But when you don't know what you don't know, ask. If you'll just learn to listen and say, what, what, what would you like? Where, where are we not doing well? Let's, let's just talk about this. 
listening. So I, I want to challenge you to do this. Some of you right now are thinking, I've done that. I've done that. I mean, Pastor, I hear you, but I mean, we still have disagreement. I've done, I know, I'm supposed to listen to my stuff. I, I've already done, it doesn't work. Okay, let me, let me explain to you how this book told me to listen. Now, this takes it further than I've taken it, but I think it's brilliant. This is what he says. He says, go, he says, find your spouse. Say, hey, hey, babe, I know we've been having a disagreement about this, this issue, right? And so rather than fight about it again, whenever you're ready, sometime today or tomorrow, if it takes you a while to be ready, that's fine. Emotionally, kind of get yourself up and, and, and geared up to talk about this. I want to have a listening session. They're going to say, what is that? And you say, well, I want to come and I just want to sit down. I, want you, I just want to let you talk for 20 or 30 minutes about this issue and really let me know how you feel. And I'm not going to respond. I'm just going to listen. I'm just going to, my goal is just to understand you. First of all, they're going to pass out and be like, well, you're like you okay? What happened? You all right? Because inst- we're not used to doing it, are we? We're just used to coming at them like, oh, let me tell you my viewpoint. And while they're talking, you're just waiting like, please just take a breath. Just take a breath. <laughs> so you can throw in your opinion, right? We're not listening. We're talking over each other. We're not actually listening to each other. So if you will just take your time to listen to them, to hear them out, to understand their perspective, then once they feel heard, then what, not when you think you heard, no, when they feel like they've been heard, then and only then is an opportunity for you to say, now, if you want, I can now give you my side, or if you're not ready for that, then let me know in the next day or two, and we can get back together, and I'll share with you my opinion on that, and then we can maybe try to come to some conclusions. You see, by getting in front of the argument before you argue, it saves all those words you shouldn't be saying to each other anyways, and you're just listening to the other person. A couple things in that. I want to give you a couple rules on this if you're going to try this, okay? And so let me give you the ABCs here real quick. A, ask your spouse if you can listen to them first. Don't ask them to listen to you first. You know what we do? We ambush each other, right? Husband sitting in front of TVs flipping channels, right? And so, and, and wife plops on the couch, hey, when you talk. Oh, oh, okay, about what? And you push pause, you know, you're like, what? Well, when you talk about this, this issue with the kids, and I need you to, and they're like, oh, oh, oh. What, what? they're not ready for this. They're emotionally, they're defensive now. They're like, I didn't even know we're about to have a talk. You've been thinking about this for the last two hours. I didn't know we were having this discussion. The thing is this, is that if you will really listen to them, so you need to offer up listening before offer up talking. I mean, everyone wants to talk. Like, I want, I want you to hear this. I want you just to listen to me. They're not gonna do that. You wouldn't either. You'd feel ambushed. Instead, you say, hey, whenever you're ready, I'd like to get together and just talk with you about this issue. And I'm not going to talk, though. I just want to hear your perspective. I just want to hear where you're coming from, just so I can try to understand where we're different on this, so I can, I can understand why you want to do it this way, why this is a decision you want to make, and just let them talk. Now, a couple more things. Hear them out. Got to really hear them out. I mean, let them say all of it. Say, in fact, I like to use this phrase, like, is there anything else? Is there anything else? right? And then also withhold your opinion. This is not the time for you to comment. Don't respond back. Don't take notes because notes is just you trying to be a lawyer. She can pop back later. Don't do that. (laughs) Don't do that. Just listen. Just fully engage. Listen to them. Also, make sure you state what they're saying so that you understand uh, their perspective. State back to them. Like, so you say things like this, like, so I understand what you're saying is you feel undervalued because you don't think I'm helping around the house. Is that what you're saying? Like, so you're offended when I go straight to the couch after work? That's bothering you. Is that, am I hearing that right? Okay, so you're saying that you don't think I'm disciplining the kids, or you're saying that you feel like I'm being too strict or not strict enough, whatever. You want to state it back to them, and, then, and you haven't stated it back right until they look at you and they go, yes, that's what I'm saying. Okay, so you can state it back, but it doesn't mean you're done. 
You've got to have a full communication loop. They tell you what they think, then you say, so I hear you saying this, is that what you mean? And when they say, yes, that's what I mean. Okay, now you've heard them out. Okay, it means a full cycle. Then, this is also important, respect their perspective. When you respect their perspective, you respect them. I don't think we have a problem loving each other. I think we have a problem respecting each other. And so many times marriages end and they still love each other. They just can't get along. What does that mean? I love you. I don't respect your opinion. But if we don't do that, we're not respecting them. Because your opinion is you. That's why we're so offended when you don't agree with me. Why? Because you're not agreeing with me, with who I am, not to agree with this opinion. This is why it's so touchy, right? This is why it gets heated and we say things we don't mean. And so rather than do that, let's start this process with just listening. Now, let me enter the rated R section of this message real quick, okay? This is what I didn't want your kids to hear, but I want you to hear from me, okay? If you do not feel heard in your marriage, or let me put it this way, if your spouse does not feel heard, if they, feel, if they don't feel like you understand them and respect their opinion, the devil will introduce a surrogate that will understand them, that they will feel heard from. So you may think, well, I just don't agree with it. No, there's a lot more going on there. Time and again, I, I, listen, I've been, I've been doing uh, counseling and I've been dealing with marriages uh, for, as a pastor for a long time. And I will tell you this, I, I unfortunately have an in-depth, up-close um, experience with adultery, with seeing the after effects of it when couples choose that. And time and again, I hear men and women say this. Well, I just, I started talking to this person at work and I just felt like they understood me. Many times, they're not more attractive than their spouse. No, it's not that at all. I just felt like she respected my opinion. I just felt like he understood where I was coming from. I just felt like we connected, which means what? Someone listened to someone else. Now, I'm not saying it's healthy or right. It's not. And it's all a bunch of crap anyways because we're only telling you half the story. But the point is not that they were understood. The point is they fell for someone other than who God brought in their life because they felt understood. If we do not create the circumstances in our marriage where our spouse feels understood by us, then we are leaving them vulnerable for another. It's a big deal. This, this is often what happens when people share. This is why, by the way, you shouldn't be sharing your opinion and feelings about your spouse with someone else. Ever. Let me say that again. Ever. That's not what you do. Well, sometimes I just got to call my mom. But you didn't call your mom back when you worked it out. So now your mom thinks your husband's a jerk. <laughs> when they're not. Four times a year, you have a big blow-up, then you call mom. All mom knows is about four blow-ups. She doesn't know about the 15 times things were amazing. She doesn't know about how you apologized, how you worked things out. She doesn't know your side of the story either. Oh, well, they couldn't do anything wrong. You know, I birthed them. Yeah, right. They can do no wrong. So when you call someone and unload, rather than talking to your spouse, rather than about your spouse, you're setting yourself up for failure. A couple other things I want to mention on this. Never complain about your spouse to your kids. Don't do it. And don't let them do it. That's not allowed. That's off, off limits. In fact, when, when that happens, I don't say, don't talk about your mother like that. I say, don't talk about my wife like that. Did you catch that? Because what you just did, what you just did is you just told your kids, I love you, but I love her more. I love him more. 
And when my kids were little, they'd say that, like Sophie, when she was real little, Daddy, is it true that you love, you love mommy more than me? I'd be like, uh-huh, way more. She'd be like, what? She'd act all offended, but she also was secure in that. Does that make sense? Can I tell you something, parents? Hate to break it to you. Your kids aren't gonna be there in 20 years for you. Your spouse will be. You keep that in mind. One day, it's gonna come back to just the two of you. So you need to keep that in mind. Yeah, thank you. It's true. <laughs> so hold that relationship tight. A couple other things I wanna just throw in here since we're gonna go rated R for a second. Let me just do this real quick. Never, ever, ever. A couple of rules I just wanna help you because you know what? People put devices in their hands and no one gave us rules. So the, 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 the phone in your hand is the Wild West. The computer in front of you is the Wild West. There's just no rules of that. And, and we wonder why we get in trouble. There's a couple of things I just wanna help you out with. Just, just, just please take it from me for years and years of talking with people, broken people who screwed up. Please let me help you from doing this, okay? Never, if you're emotionally vulnerable, if you are emotionally needy, sexually needy, if you are just hurting and you're angry with your spouse, put your phone down because you will do something you will regret. We get on our teenagers for being stupid on the phone, but we are also stupid on the phone. Adults, time and again. I have just recently, in the last few years, been dealing with couples that have been texting things that, to someone other than their spouse they never should have texted. They never should have said those things. They never should have sent that pic. They never should, I don't even understand how you can be smart enough to run a major corporation around the uh, world and, and be so successful and still and somehow think it's wise to undo your pants and take a picture. I don't understand. <laughs> I just do not understand this. But I will tell you this. We all have a stupid season. If you're gonna have a stupid season, don't have it with your phone in your hand. Does that make sense? Put the phone down, get away from the chat room. Nothing good comes from a chat room. Nothing. I've never heard someone say, wow, I just learned something that's really gonna advance my life. Never. I've heard lots of people say, yeah, I went in this chat room. I've heard that a hundred times. You know, or someone says, oh yeah, I mean, we just, we text and it was all about business and then, and then you know, they said they're having a bad day and I said, what's going on? And then the next thing you know, they're telling me about their spouse and I'm like, yeah, I understand. I've had the same issue with my spouse. Shut the phone off. You're three texts away from ruining your family. We have to learn to put up boundaries because the world's not gonna put up boundaries, so you better. And by the way, get your head out of your phone because that's just trying to follow other people's fake life and actually invest in your real life. Does that make sense? It's amazing. Husband and wife laying in bed. She's over here on Facebook scrolling. He's over here on Twitter and they're both laying in bed with their phones. I'm like, hey, put the phones down. I can think of a couple other things to do right now. <laughs> put the phone away and invest in each other. It's a big deal. A couple other rules I want to give you real quick. This may sound really funny and ridiculous, but I'm telling you, it's not ridiculous. It's wise. A couple of things. Number one, I want to introduce text looping to you. Text looping is when if you're texting someone the opposite sex, that you loop in your spouse. Or you loop in uh, uh, someone else. Like if you, if, you, if you have a professional relationship with someone of the opposite sex and you're dealing with some kind of project, then loop in a third party on that project to where it's never just the two of you talking. Make sense? But this is a rule on our staff, by the way. We just text loop. And so I don't just do it with staff. And so if I, the other day I, I had a, a real estate agent 
Um, she says, hey, what's your information? You know, you felt a little in the car. I didn't know she was going to pull my number off of that. And she's like, hey, I found a great house, blah, 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 this and that, you know. And I was just, uh, I'm not changing houses. Anyways, but I was just looking anyways. And so we're perpetually looking. Anyone else like that? Perpetually looking at real estate. And so I'm always doing that. And so she says, oh, it's a great deal. I think you'd like it, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, okay. And then she texted me again. And finally, the third text, I went, hey, um, if you don't mind. And I, I copied her number and I added my wife to it and in her number. And I said, if you don't mind, let's just communicate this way. It's just something I do. Uh, for my marriage. And she was like, oh, okay. She didn't care. But even if she did, I don't care what she thinks. So you think, oh, that's weird. Well, think I'm weird. But what's not going to happen is I'm not going to have this text relationship going on here. I don't know you from Adam. I'm not going to do that. And so just simple things like that really do protect you. In fact, on our staff, I'm going to tell you right now, if I know two people of the opposite sex are not married to you, they're texting back and forth, I just assume at some point, like if you're four or five texts in and you're still doing that, you know the rule. And so I'm not even going to ask you whether it's going bad. I already know that's wrong. And I'll call you out on it because there's a rule. We laid it down very clear. Everyone knows it. It happens occasionally that I forget. My secretary, I'll, I'll text her, oh, I don't want to forget this. Boom. And I sit and I'm like, oh, I forgot the text loop. And she'll respond. And I'll, then I'll immediately add Jessica to the conversation and say, sorry, I forgot. That happens. That's fine. But what you're not going to find on my phone is 500 texts between me and some woman other than my wife. Does that make sense? It protects your marriage. Also, here's another one. Never, ever have the passcodes to your social media that your spouse doesn't have. They should have all your passwords to all your social media. And they should know about every social media account you have. And there's this one that you, that you have that they don't know about. I'm not even going to ask you whether you're doing no, doing no good. I already know if you have one and they don't know about it. So if you're slinking in your seat right now, the response is not to feel guilty. The response is go home and delete it and tell your spouse. Or really tell your spouse, let her look and then delete it. In other words, guys, we've got to be honest with each other. But we cannot have two lives the life that our spouse knows about and the life that only we know about. It doesn't work like that. It does not work. It will destroy you. Protect yourself digitally as much as you protect yourself. You wouldn't let somebody in your house you don't even know. Why are you doing that with your phone or your laptop? Make sense? So let's guard ourselves because the same things we're getting on our kids about, many adults are doing those same things. And I have dealt with couples in their 20s doing this and their 30s doing it and their 40s and their 50s in their 60s, and in their 70s. So do not tell me, well, that's just dumb teenagers. Oh, no, I know some 70-year-old dumb teenagers then. <laughs> so we need to guard ourselves. Get it? Got it? Are we good? All right, good. Don't make me say it again. It says in 1 Peter 3, 7, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way. We need to learn to understand each other. This doesn't just apply to conflict. This applies to every area of our lives. My wife sometimes will be unloading about some situation she's frustrated about. I'll do the same thing to her. But then as a man, I'm like, oh, you should do this, you should do that. And then she'll kind of look at me frustrated and I'll stop and go, oh, you weren't looking for a solution, right? You just want me to feel this with you. She's like, exactly. I just want you to get mad with me. I'm like, oh, okay. I didn't know that. Like I'm, I'm like in solution mode. And she's like, I don't want you to solve this. I want you to feel the frustration I have right? You know what I'm talking about, right? So we have to learn to understand one another in the same way she understands me and knows there's a time to approach me and time not to approach me. Let me give you examples. It's not that I'm unapproachable, but like she knows there's a big problem blowing up. She's not going to come to me right before I come out and preach to you guys. She knows that would mess me up. So she respects that. So she, under, she lives with me in an understanding way. And then, you know, I may walk off the stage after one message and I'm totally done for the weekend. She's like, I need to say something. I'm like, oh boy, how long have you been holding this? She's like, all weekend long, waiting for you to finish your sermons. 
I'm like, okay, what's up? And then she'll tell me. And so I want to encourage you to live with each other in an understanding way. But when we have conflicts, we, need to, we don't need to be talking. We need to be listening to one another. The better you can listen, the better off you will be. I didn't even know we were doing this. I just thought, you just listen. I don't know. Maybe, I don't know where I learned it, but it just, it works for us. When I really listen to her, when she really listens to me, we feel heard, we feel respected, and then we can solve that problem together. And so look at this next scripture. So what do you do now that you've heard each other out? What's the next step? Colossians chapter three says this, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Does that sound like somebody fighting? That sounds like someone doing their best to understand someone else. So what does this mean for you and me? Number three, now that you have both listened to each other, it is time to work together as friends to find a solution. You say, as friends, we're a husband and wife. No, you know our reason I wrote friends is because you're nicer to your friends than you are your spouse. Isn't that pathetic? We really are. If you go out to eat with someone, you're like, your friends, you're like, hey, where do you want to go? Oh, I don't know. Where do you want to go? But with your spouse, you're like, I want to go here. Isn't it funny how we do that? It's like the closer we are to someone, the more rude we are to them. It should be the total opposite. Not that we should be rude to anybody, but we should be nicer to the people that we're married to, right? And so if you will approach this as, as you would have with a friendship, because you're supposed to be, that's supposed to be your best friend. So let's now approach this as friends and find a solution. Now, how do you find a solution? This involves learning to compromise. Let me talk about compromise for a second. In the, in, in, in the church today, in the Bible, in Christianity, we think the word compromise means compromising your beliefs, means sinning, doing something wrong. That's not the word we're, we're meaning today. That's not what we're saying. Compromise in this context means that I have a way I want to do it. You have a way you want to do it. Let's see if we can find a way in the middle. Does that make sense? That, that's what compromise means. So let me give you three ways that you can uh, solve this problem that you are in disagreement about. Three ways you can do it. The first possibility is meeting in the middle. The most obvious one. You know, hey, I want to buy a new car. My spouse says we can't afford a car, so we buy a used car that we can afford. Meeting in the middle, right? Um, I don't want my kid going to public school. My spouse doesn't want to homeschool. We try to find a small private school. Meeting in the middle, right? And so there's all kinds of ways to meet in the middle that you can apply. The problem with meeting in the middle all the time, it is kind of like a bill going through Congress. Typically, when the bill turns out, no one likes it. So if you're not careful, you're like, I wanted Chinese food, they wanted Mexican food, we've got burgers. Oh, great, no one got what they wanted. <laughs> so oftentimes, meeting in the middle sounds great, but oftentimes it doesn't actually give anybody what they wanted, so it's like, well, I don't really like that anymore, right? And so we see this all the time in Congress, right? Where the Republicans and the Democrats get together, they debate, debate, fight, 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 then they negotiate, and then everyone loses. So that, that's why I actually don't think meeting in the middle is, is the long-term solution. There's actually two other options I think are really great. The second one is meeting on your side. So meeting in the middle is the first one if you're taking notes. The second one is meeting on your side. Notice I didn't say meeting on my side. So if I say, I want to do it this way, my wife says, I want to do it that way. And I say, well, we're just going to do it my way. How did I compromise? That's not compromise, is it? That's like, no, I just said, I want my way. There's no compromise involved at all. Some of you right now are thinking, Pastor, this sounds really great, but there's no point in me talking to my spouse. They're going to do what they want to do. Don't let that be said of you. Some of you right now are like, my husband just won't talk to me anymore, or my wife just won't talk to me anymore. Maybe they quit talking because they learned that their opinion doesn't matter to you. Because they're going to talk, 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 and you're going to do what you want anyways. So maybe the issue isn't we're not talking anymore. The issue is the reason someone's not talking anymore is because someone wasn't listening anymore. So we have to learn to listen to one another. The third option, oh, by the way, meeting on your side, let me tell you what that means. That means, so I have this opinion, you have that opinion. You know what? I'm going to be willing to come over to your side and do what you want. 
This, by the way, is the number one way that I know of to build trust and feelings of love in your marriage again. You say, we just don't, we're just always at each other's throats. I feel like we don't get along. I feel like we just don't love one another. I just don't have those loving feelings. It's because no one's willing to walk across the chasm to the other side anymore. And that's what love is all about. It's all about saying, I will do it the way you want to do it. So there's a lot of issues that we really, I mean, honestly, there's only a handful of issues that I'm just really hardcore on. Most issues I'm like, eh, I'm good. You know, it's just not that big of a deal to me. You know, I have what I call veto power. Here's what that means in my home. And my wife's the same way. Like a lot of things I want to do, she's like, I don't really care. All I have is veto. Here's what that means. Like, I don't like, she says, hey, I want, we, we need a new couch. I'm like, awesome. Let me know what it's going to look like. And then she shows me three that she really likes. And I have a little veto power. And I was like, you can pick from all the couches in the universe. And I just want to make sure I don't literally hate every second of it. So in other words, like, you know, she picks out and I'm like, I, I, not that one. You can find something else, right? It's kind of like when you say, honey, you want to go out to eat? And she goes, yeah, wherever. And then you go, let's go here. And she goes, oh, I don't want to go there. <laughs> you like, I just asked you and you said anyway, right? And so you have veto power. So what you're saying is I love you and I trust you, but I, I do want to at least be able to weigh in on it, right? Most of my decisions are that way. Jessica's are that way a lot of times. She's like things I care about, you know, because I mean, I don't mean it's bad, but I'm kind of a typical guy. I just don't care about that much. I care about about four or five things. That's it. The other stuff, I'm like, whatever. I really, I'm, I'm just, I'm not that stuck on certain things. And so if, if, if she or I are stuck on something, typically the other person will say, I'm good with that. It's not that big of a deal. It's only a handful of things that we really just kind of get stuck on, right? And if you're really stuck, if you can't meet in the middle and you're not willing to go to their side and we'll come to your side, then, then the third option here is meeting later. Let me tell you about meeting later for a second. I know couples that have been married for decade after decade after decade that still have an issue they don't agree on. And so guess what? They just table it and table it, table it in the 80s. They table it in the 90s, table it in the 2000s. And they're probably just going to be, just, just die one day separated on this one. But they're not going to let the, be, their marriage be about one issue. How many of you guys, do you, does anyone in here know a couple that one is hardcore Republican, the other one's hardcore Democrat, married to each other? Anybody know? Maybe someone in here is like that. That just means every four years you go cancel each other out. At the voting booth, right? Yeah, yeah. You just cancel each other. I love that, you know? So then the battle was like, okay, we're going to raise a bunch of kids, so I'm going to try to raise a Republican, you raise a Democrat, like, I'm going to win, you know? So the truth is this. You can be happily married to someone and have a disagreement your whole life with them and not have it be a big deal. The problem is, are you focusing on that? It's okay to just see things differently. It's all right. You need to learn to manage that difference if it's a problem. If you, if you parent differently, you're going to have to work that out. You're going to have to negotiate what that's going to look like. But it doesn't mean that you have to become like them or they have to become like you. You just need to negotiate that behind closed doors. Another rule here, by the way, never fight in front of your kids. Don't ever do that. Some of you in here were raised with parents that fought in front of you. How'd that make you feel? They just thought they were having a fight. You thought your whole world was crumbling. That's what it does to your kids, so don't ever do that. You can have a knockdown, drag out, do it when the kids are gone. Just talk it. In fact, I don't recommend that either. I recommend the listening session to where we work things through. And if you just can't get this figured out, then you invite a third party that you both agree on that will be a third listening partner to hear both sides to help you work it through. Nothing wrong with that, by the way. Don't think for a second, well, if I go to counseling, we're admitting that we're failing. No, you're admitting that you care and that you want to get this thing worked out. There's nothing wrong with that at all. Ephesians chapter 5 says this, every husband must love his wife as he loves himself. And his wife should respect their husbands. Love and respect are found in marriage. I believe we love each other, but are we respecting each other? When the plumber comes to my house, I listen to them. He or she tells me this is what's wrong with the toilet. I'm like, okay. I don't go, uh, are you sure about that? I don't know about that. They're like, you know, they walk in. I don't know what this is about. If a guy says I'm a plumber and he walks in and just sets something down, boom, I'm like, he's an expert. 
I don't know anything about this. I, I don't know his background, but he just looks like an expert to me. So I'm like, what, what do you need to do, right? And so he'll fix the toilet and tell me what's wrong. I'm like, okay, that's what. I just, I just listen to experts. I mean, if I hire an accountant, they tell me this is the way to do my taxes, I'm going to listen to him. If I hire a plumber, they tell me this is the wrong, I'm going to listen. Then why is it that the only other expert in your marriage other than you, you're not listening to them? Is there anyone that knows your marriage at the same level, at least, as you? There's only one other person. But then we won't listen to the expert? I mean, you can, you can not listen to the plumber. <laughs> you can put anything you want down that toilet. But they know how that's going to work out. You cannot listen to the expert AC guy when he says, change your filter. I don't, pff, I don't listen to that. You think you know what you're talking about. Change the filter. <laughs> I can do that, but we know how it's going to work out. So why am I ignoring the expert on my marriage? Why am I ignoring the expert on my children? doesn't mean that their way is perfect because I also believe I'm an expert in my marriage. But shouldn't we be listening to each other? And if you say, I don't want to do that. I don't want to listen to them. I don't want to just vacation where they want to vacation and eat where they want to eat and shop where they want to shop and do what they want to do. I don't want to do that. You, don't have to, you can take the notes I've given you and you can just do this. And this is what your marriage is going to look like too. And you can eat anywhere you want alone. Shop anywhere you want to shop. Vacation anywhere you want to vacation. Alone. And you can live alone. And you can die alone. Or you can recognize that you're sharing a life. You're sharing a life with someone else. That's why we got married. That's why we got married. Let's bow our heads. Every head bowed, every eye closed. We just take a moment to pray. I just want to encourage you in this prayer time. If you've never given your life to Christ, the Bible says that husbands are to love their wife as Christ loved the church. Well, how did Christ love the church? He died for us. He gave his life. He paid the price for our sin. With your head bowed, your eyes closed, pray this prayer and you can receive Jesus as your Lord and your Savior right now. You can pray this prayer with me. You can say, dear Jesus, I realize I need you. I believe you died for my sin and I believe you rose again. I ask you to come into my heart be my Lord, be my Savior. I repent of my sins. Please forgive me. Make me new. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. In your name we pray. Amen.